Welcome, you're listening to a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted ministry partner for planned giving. And here's your host, Kurt Knoll, Director of Member Relations. Uh, welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. It is July 14th, and this year is already half over. And we're glad you could join us today. Uh, with me today, is all, as you have been many times in the past, is Heather Day, our Director of, Mem- of Director of Member Relations. <laughs> I just Director took over Kurt's job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Director of Marketing here at Barnabas Foundation. And we're here to talk to you today a bit about uh, marketing truths that you just cannot ignore. And we'll dive into that in just a second. But during the broadcast, if you do happen to have a question throughout, uh, feel free to type it in the Q&A section and we'll address those questions as we go. Um, so Heather, just to start, to start off with, you know, this, this marketing truce you cannot ignore, how did this kind of come about, this topic? Well, you know, in, in marketing and especially in, um, in my role in our line of work, it tends to be very project oriented. And um, when you get in that, that pattern of just uh, looming deadlines and the pressure to check the next thing off the list, it can be really easy to lose that big picture view. Um, and so I think it's a healthy and necessary uh, to take time out, carve time out to ask the, uh, the big questions like, why are we doing this? What are we trying to accomplish? Hmm. What are we doing well? Uh, where are we missing the mark? And to really take a look at that big picture. It's sort of like I equate it to uh, spring training. Here you take these guys that are the best athletes in the world, the highest paid athletes in the world, and once a year, they stop to go back to the basics just to remind this is what we do. So their batting practice is working out, building up their teams. Um, and this is really what, that, what this is about for us. So to take time out to go back to basic training for marketing. Well, we're a little out of spring, but that's okay. But so, you know, when we think about basic training, what does that entail for marketing? Well, marketing, if you take any one marketing 101 class, you're going to pretty quickly hear about the four P's of marketing. And I think that provides us a really good framework to talk about the things that um, these are four key factors that apply to uh, marketing any good or service to the public. And the first one, uh, the first P is product. This is the tangible good or intangible service that fulfills the wants or needs of the consumers. Uh, Two, price. How much is it going to cost? Three, promotion. This is the advertising, public relations, and promotional strategy to reveal to consumers why they need the product and why they should be willing to pay that price for it. And four, place. And this includes where should they sell the product and how should they deliver it to the public. So the connection to these four P's is really easy to make if you're selling cheeseburgers or tennis shoes. Um, But the reality is that all four absolutely apply to all marketing, including for um, nonprofit ministries and fundraising. Um, So today we're going to take a look at all four of those and how they relate to our work. And and we're going to focus on some key areas where it's easy to miss those basics and easy to forget about those important truths. Well, when you first brought up the four Ps, I was kind of scratching my head a little bit about how in the world does that apply in a fundraising environment or even plan giving. But we're going to dive into it. So Mm -hmm. let's just start right from the top. You know, how does product the concept of product and marketing relate to plan giving. Right. And and today, because we're talking about these four Ps, I'm going to talk in terms of selling. And we know that it's more than that. We know that there's a calling for us. But, um, but when you are marketing um, for plan giving, what you're really selling is the impact that your donors can have by supporting your ministry. It's that perceived level of satisfaction that they will achieve by making that decision. So it's really important. You're going to talk about the fun, you know, fundamentals of, of planned gifts and all these sorts of things. But at the end of the day, you're selling what kind of impact can they make by giving to your ministry. That's why it's so important that you don't get so down in the weeds that you forget to talk about your mission and you talk about your vision and keep that message keeps coming back over and over and mm-hmm. over again. You can never talk about that too much. 
And then also in the in regards to um, selling that perceived value, that perceived satisfaction that you're going to have, you have to continually come back to reinforcing your credibility and the capacity of your organization for receiving these sorts of planned gifts. And this is really a benefit that our members get through Barnum's Foundation because um, we, you have the backing of, of our 45 years of, of experience and gift administration. You get our planners that can beef up when your donors um, get beyond where you can talk with them about the specifics of the gift. You've got our planners that can work with that. Um, so make sure you're taking advantage of that. Um, and then, of course, in the world of marketing, you want to make sure that you're putting out quality products that, um, that amplify and support your minister's, ministry's credibility rather than distracting from it. It's so important. Excellent. Um, that's product. Right. Let's talk about price. Where does price fit in? Price. So price is the level and the frequency of the investments that your supporters are willing to make into your ministry. So in other words, what's your ask? What are you, what are you um, asking them to invest into your ministry to get, mm -hmm. that per, uh, to get that impact? And the great news about planned gifts is that um, you're actually providing ways to increase their giving capacity and to, uh, since you're often talking about gifts that don't affect their cash flow, or gifts that will put money back in their pockets because, uh, because of the tax breaks. So, um, so you actually have an opportunity uh, to serve them because you're lowering the cost of giving. Um, this is a great service. Um, plus, uh, we've seen this over and over again. Jim, Jim talks about this in boot camp, how when you remind people of their wealth, when you're talking about gifts of non-cash assets, all of a sudden their willingness to, to, to give goes up because you're reminding them, you know what, I've got it better than what I thought I did. Mm -hmm. um, that's been shown with research over and over again. Um, now, to the extent that you're able to, um, being able to drive home this price is uh, to, you want to segment your mailings to make sure that you're presenting the most relevant opportunities for your donors that apply to their goals and situations. Um, so for example, if you have, um, if you can segment out your group by age, uh, it's really a great opportunity to talk to your donor 70 and older about IRA gifts because that's, it's a no brainer for them as we've talked about. Yep. Or um, you can send out targeted mailings to those who've already given charitable gift annuities um, because they understand the value of that. So this is a really great way to talk about price the more that you're able to target. Absolutely, we, we talk about this often with our members is to think creatively when it comes to some of these things. You know, Any of your IRA uh, folks who have given to you from an IRA in the past, maybe send them an anniversary note mm -hmm. just saying, hey, you gave this way last year or two years ago. You, would you be willing to consider it again? Right. Or the CGA, your best CGA candidate is a CGA annuitant today because right. they often re-up. We, we have many here that we've written two, three, four, five, 12 annuities for. And I know a ministry that we work with closely has annuitant who has 61 annuities with them. Mm -hmm. And she's got several with us and others with others. So People who like those things often will repeat it. Same with stock givers. Um, you touched on a second ago about the whole wealth effect yes. and the research there. And as we were talking about this session, it reminded me of the study Russell James references all the time about yes. the grocery store. And I come back to this over and over and over again, oftentimes meeting with, with members. They did a study outside a grocery store in Massachusetts right. where they interviewed um, folks as they were walking in, one of two different sets of questions. One group, they were asking them about, what do you have in your wallet? How much cash do you have on you, your credit cards, whatever it might be. And mm -hmm. so it was kind of then and now, what do you have available? The other group, they asked them about their savings, their retirement setup, their investments. And then as those people exited the store, they collected the receipts and gave them a free chocolate bar. 
I, I'd give them a receipt for free chocolate <laughs> absolutely. bar, absolutely. But they analyzed the spending patterns of those of both groups, and they found that those people who were asked about their wealth, about their investments, mm -hmm. about their savings, mm -hmm. spent 36% more in the store that day on average than those that were asked about what they have here and now. Absolutely. What does that tell you? It tells you that from a consumer standpoint, they walked into that store feeling wealthier mm -hmm. so that they had this mindset, instead of buying the pork chops, I'm going to buy the ribeye steak this week. Right. Or I'm going to buy the, you know, the upgrade brand of soup instead of the gener more generic, whatever it might have been was on their mind. They decided to spend up because they felt wealthier. Same effect happens when you talk to donors about giving from their wealth rather than from their cash flow. When you ask from the small bucket of cash flow, you get smaller gifts. When you ask from the bigger bucket of wealth, it produces more opportunity. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's so worth, uh, Russell James, I remember talking about this too, like just, you know, it seems like a complicated topic that we don't go there because we don't want to overcomplicate our fundraising program. We don't want to overcomplicate our ask, um, but it is a very practical way to serve your supporters and to make um, life easier for them, remind them of their wealth. It is well worth your time. Um, and I'll just again plug boot camp here because we make it easy for you to talk to uh, talk to them about that. And and we, you know, Kurt, we were talking. We've been focusing on marketing, but. Um, but this applies, absolutely applies at the individual fundraising level as mm -hmm. well. Um, you, the more that you get to know your supporters and, and listen for those cues of I've got this vacation home I don't know what to do with or right. whatever, the more that you're listening for those cues, the more that you're going to lower that price for them. Absolutely. And this, that, that, those listening cues aren't just for face-to-face -face fundraisers in the field. It's for your mid-level reps that are on the phone. It's anybody engaging with a donor. Mm -hmm. Be capturing all that key data. How old are they? If you don't know exactly, get an approximation. Um, make sure you're flagging your IRA givers. Flag your DAF givers. If somebody's giving to you from a DAF account, from another charity or from us, they're indicating capacity and sophistication. They're going to understand these concepts. Right. Who are your stock givers? Who's in your legacy society? Um, who are your real estate owners? Who's your farmers? Who has rental properties? Who has the vacation home? Because at some point down the road, you're going to have an opportunity in your conversation with them to just say, you know, what are you planning on doing with the farm? Mm -hmm. You know, your boys are grown, your girls are grown, they're married off, none of them are farming. What are you thinking about doing with it? Right. You know, and and long-term relationships like that, you're you're invited into that space, you're invited into that conversation. So, but it's important to capture that information. Another thing I noted here too is who is on your mailing list, your yep. donor list, who have been who's been giving to you faithfully on a monthly basis, quarterly basis, annual basis for five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, who've never been contacted. These are those, those small dollar givers. They're not going to show up on the wealth screens, mm -hmm. but there's assets behind that. And another target for you to make sure you're flagging and looking at and reaching out and talking to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So moving on to the next P is promotion. Yeah, this is yeah maybe more a little bit of the obvious one. And I, what I think people talk or instantly go to with promotion. Um, but I think that there's some some things that we can forget about or things um, that definitely need to, we need to keep reminding ourselves. Um, multi, and that's first of all, to focus on multi-channel marketing. Uh, I, I just saw this interesting discussion on, um, I follow the network for those of you who are familiar with, and there was a discussion on there of, should we print our church bulletins or should we do them email? And I, I personally think the answer is yes. Use whatever mm -hmm. means you've got available. Um, use it you should be in, in print, you should be in email, you should use social media, you should use your website, everything that every avenue that you've got available to you and to the extent that you can do them well, you should be talking through those. So make sure that you're doing multi-channel marketing. Um, this is, uh, Jim used a really great analogy, I love this. This is the background music that's that's playing in the room. Mm -hmm. um, you may, don't, um, 
I think one of the mistakes can be to measure your marketing by how much gifts that came in as a result of that mailing. And you may get some direct re responses and you're definitely looking for leads that were generated. But this is also just planting that idea. That's right. that subliminal message. That's that uh, uh, reinforcing um, that this is a possibility given this way. Um, so as I was thinking about these four, four P's, I came up with five C's because I just wanted to up one up it. Uh, five C's that I would uh, remember as you're thinking about promotion. And the first is concise. Make sure that you're keeping your materials um, simple. We've I've talked about before. You don't want to become the plan or the WebMD of plan giving marketing. You don't right. need to tell them every single detail, every single nuance um, that about plan gifts. I was. I was just talking with somebody yesterday. We met with a, a group over lunch and just talking to them about if you don't know a whole lot about plan giving, you probably have an advantage um, because you don't, you can't go into great depth and, and your marketing materials should be simple. They should be easy to understand. But at the same time, the second C is constructive. Um, so you, yes, be concise, but don't be fluff. You want to make sure that you're giving them practical, good information that's moving them to the next step. So don't, I'm not suggesting that you shorten things at the expense of not giving them anything that's useful. Mm -hmm. Make sure that it's constructive and moving them to the next. Uh, what are their most frequently asked questions? What are the best benefits of giving this way? Make sure that you're covering that. Um, the third C that I would say is compelling. Uh, make sure that you're, again, appealing to their heart, appealing to their motivations, appealing to who they are, that it's all not just cut and dry nuts and bolts. Um, make sure that you're telling donor stories. Um, if you have one, if you have a choice, one thing that you're going to do, make sure that you're, you're showing people like me do things like this. Keep coming back to that. And also make sure that your, your language is always you-centric. If you're talking, if everything is about how our organization can make a difference, you can give to us. Like that's not real compelling to the end user. You're you're making them the hero, the donor is hero, uh, which again a plug. Uh, Russell James is going to be talking about this at our at our um, at our conference in the fall. Mm -hmm. But you want to make the donor the hero, not you. That's what makes it compelling. Um, and then uh, fourth, comprehensive. I talked about this earlier. Look at all of your channels available. Um, should you use electronic or print? Yes. Um, you should use all of it and the website and your email and social media. Um, now you spend your, if you've got limited resource, spend your time and energy where you're going to have the most impact. But, um, but to the extent that you're able to use everything available to you. And then uh, finally, consistent. Um, one, a couple things that I would say here, consistent, make sure that you're not sending out these blitzes of communication and then you go radio silent. Make sure that you're, you're being consistent, putting it out there on a routine and regular basis. And then second in the areas of consistency, make sure that your messaging is uh, consistent across the board. And by far, I would say the number one area where I see this neglected is on websites. So you may send out all the most compelling information in the world. You may send out brochures, but then you're driving them to a website that's outdated or has broken links or even has um, the most more complicated language because you've outsourced it. Uh, make sure that your print pieces and your uh, and your email pieces are it's a natural flow of information that you're driving, um, you're driving your supporters to a cohesive experience where they're not they're They don't have, they don't hit the brakes wondering where did I get mm -hmm. down this rabbit hole? Absolutely. No. And that analogy, Jim mentioned that background music, it's, yeah. we talk about this all the time. What happens to you when you listen to background music over and over and over and over again, eventually you start to sing the song. Yeah. It becomes, it's there, it's planned, planted in your mm -hmm. mind. And so that consistent messaging, 
always the consistent, concise, constructive messaging with five C's you pointed out here in all of your channels mm -hmm. is crucial. But then it does come down to the ask, right? right? I mean, all of that, you're gonna get a very modest amount of response from this. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, that's, that's what it's there for. But the ask is the important part. Are your major gift officers asking? Are your mid-level reps asking the basic questions of, have you considered including our ministry in your will? Mm -hmm. And are you aware of the benefits of giving something other than cash? Mm -hmm. And if you ask these questions, things will happen. And we know it happens mm -hmm. because we're seeing it here. Every year we have a, a, a goal, a wildly important goal, our WIG as we call it. And yeah. This year our WIG was to see a drastic increase in the number of new donors that we've engaged with that are doing non-cash asset gifts. And we wanted to see a 50% increase over last year. We figured that based on all the marketing work we've been doing, all the training work that we've been doing, all the engagement work we've been doing with our members, and the, 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 we're seeing the results of mm -hmm. this, people are asking these questions finally. We thought, yeah, we'll get 50% increase. Yeah. Just before we came on live today, we hold our weekly little update meeting on our wig. We're running three times last year's pace. Three times incredible. last year's pace. It is incredible what's happening, what the Lord's doing and taking this message and blessing it. And you, if you ask these questions, I promise you, I promise you, you'll find these gifts. They're going to be there. And these mm -hmm. are going to be bigger gifts to your ministry than these donors ever thought were possible to make. Absolutely. So make sure you're doing that. Um, ask those gifts. Um, and, and again, if you're unsure of how to do it, boot camp's coming up September 8th, live in Grand Rapids at the Prince Center at Calvin University or available over live stream if you'd like to do that as well. Yeah, Jim, and Jim just talked about this in the last, I think it was the last monthly update. He talked about how he actually has supporters thank them when he presents mm -hmm. these opportunities of giving have you considered a gift of real estate or have you considered a gift of stock? They thank him because it's never uh, even occurred to them before. No, even these, they have all these resources. They have financial advisors surrounding them and nobody has ever brought up to this as an opportunity. Do not assume they know. Right. Don't ever assume that they know this stuff because we talk to too many donors all the time and they have not been informed. Even the IRA distribution, right. gift, which has been around for, for well over a decade mm -hmm. now, you would think that um, people in their 70s would know about this. And every year we take calls. Why has nobody ever told me about it? Mm -hmm. Advisors aren't always incentivized to do this. And so don't ever assume that they know about it. And the other thing that rings in my head all the time is what uh, uh, one of our members reps said to me once, VP of Advancement in College. He says, if you're not asking your donors, they might be asking themselves why, because mm -hmm. other charities are asking them. And you're either saying you don't need it or you're not sophisticated enough to do it. Right. And you all are sophisticated enough to do it because you have the backstop of us. Right. And whatever you can't do in-house, we can help you with. That goes back to that credibility issue. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if, they, if you don't ask, they wonder why, why you're not. Absolutely. So the last P, place. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that for a bit. Yeah. So again, place is the uh, place is the is the actual location, the time, the setting, the where they're going to make that uh, in a in a in a different context of buying decision. But where are they going to make the decision to give to your your ministry in this way. And the most important thing to note here is that you don't know where that's going to be. You don't know, um, just you might present the opportunity, you may make the ask, and maybe you get a, a no, uh, an uncomfortable no in that moment. Mm -hmm. uh, but Gemma again has talked about routinely, it may be that it's just a no, not yet. We know that most uh, most planned gifts, um, most planned giving decisions come as a result of a life altering event. So something transpire, uh, tra something transpires in their life that makes them more ready to make that decision. Whether it's the birth of a grandchild, 
it's a loss of a loved one. It's a change in job. It's a realizing that I don't ever visit my vacation home. So the key here is you don't know where that time and place is going to be. So you've got to keep the background music playing. Mm -hmm. Don't turn that, turn that music off. And they're wondering, where did they go? You want to be consistent, keep connecting, keep informing, keep asking a no again, may just be a no, not yet. Also don't assume that they're going to make that decision in your presence. Uh, that's always really rewarding when they do, but their, their time and place may be in the wee hours in the morning um, from their living room. Um, so make sure, uh, so, so think about that. If they're making a decision or they're in a place to be receptive of it and they're looking at your website to make that decision, will your website aid in that decision or it will turn them away from that decision? So again, I, I keep coming back to the websites because it's an area we see neglected and ignored far too often. Uh, make sure that you're keeping your front porch spiffy, you know, because that's what they're looking at when you're not around. If, uh, and if any of our members are interested in looking at a couple of websites that we think have done it well, mm -hmm. um, reach out to us. We'll be happy to share. We have a list of a few of them that we've looked at. And if you think your website's actually really good at it, let us know because yeah. perhaps we just haven't seen yeah. it yet and we'd like to add it to the list. And let me, can I just say one other Absolutely. thing there? Uh, I think that a websites can be overwhelming because people think mm -hmm. I have to have this, oh, it's going to take a major overhaul, a major undertaking. Um, you don't, if your information is good and it's consistent and it's, compelling, you don't have to have pages and pages no. and pages of content. Uh, the Bible League just went through a revamp of their, mm -hmm. their plan giving website. And it's very simple, but it's powerful. Um, and again, they just, you make use of the donor stories. Um, those little things can make all the difference. It matches up with the content that we produce. So even our smart right. and powerful giving brochure, it's just, you know, there's two paragraphs on each giving right. topic. And so outside of the content that's in the smart and powerful giving brochure, you'll have some additional content on perhaps how to make stock gifts directly to your ministry mm -hmm. or, or um, uh, IRA gifts and a few other things. And then, you know, donor testimonial stories, yep. other downloadable items that you can put on there, but you do not, as, as Heather said, you do not need to have pages explaining how a charitable remainder trust works, or a right. unit trust works, how an annuity trust works, or how the different gift annuities and on and on and on and on and on. Because quite honestly, we live in a TikTok and Twitter world, <laughs> right? People don't want to read that much content. Give me the bullet points. Let me find out exactly what the important facts are, and then I'll gauge in you in a conversation. And yes, there is a small subset of the population out there that probably does want to do their own research, and they will, and they will right. go find their answers. Right. But more importantly, we think it's better off to just share the high-level concepts and get them engaged in the conversation. Right. Um, so, you know, we've touched on a few of these things, but making sure you're tagging those donors and you really get to know your donor base. I mean, this is, this is the most important thing. It's not just about engaging them about... Um, you know, you made this gift last year, you're going to re-up this year, but really build that relationship mm -hmm. because that's going to open up the door to the conversations. And I, I share this story because it happened recently of a development officer who mm -hmm. took this to heart and he was talking with an older couple yeah. and they were lamenting with him the fact that they, they're in their 80s and they own these two rental properties and they were fixing toilets and finding tenants and collecting <laughs> rents yeah. and they needed a cash flow stream because they were teachers all their lives and didn't want to sell the properties because there was a big appreciation. And he shared with them the concepts of a trust. And then they got him engaged with us. And lo and behold, they ended up making a significant gift of the rental properties into a trust, eliminated their headache. They took, they got a deduction offset all the taxes that were due. They took some money out for themselves to do some current things. And they're happy as a clam. And the ministry secured a wonderful gift. So um, yeah, it's um, just, you never know where you're going to uncover these opportunities. So make sure you're really, really getting to know your donor base and look Absolutely. for those uniquenesses like that long-term giver and 
uh, we know that long-term giving is a high cons a high probability in their ability to or desire to make a, a either a legacy gift or some sort of plan gift. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, before we wrap up um, tomorrow, tomorrow launch in the fourth quarter marketing plan. So, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this is our fourth quarter marketing plan that focuses on on non-cash assets and end of the year gifts. So. Um, we have just like every quarter we have new uh, we have brand four new brand new articles we have three new buck slips that you can um, you can put as write-alongs with your receipts or letters uh, we have a brand new brochure um, strategies for the giving season that you can um, we recommend that you send it along with a cover letter and um, and a business reply envelope and it can be a very powerful way to uh, to it can be an addendum to your appeal that you're already doing at the end of the year um, and we have several info sheets um, many of them that you've seen before because we're going to keep coming back to them um, if you missed it we do have a, a relatively new info sheets on giving cryptocurrency to ministry uh, we just heard again from a um, Jews for Jesus, a shout out to them. They just mm -hmm. mentioned the other day getting a pretty large gift from cryptocurrency. Right. Um, so it's a great opportunity. Um, and uh, Kurt and I come September, we're going to be diving a little deeper into that fourth quarter marketing plan. And you'll hear me say it's not too late to start promoting them. But July is a better time to start planning that. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, as much time as you can give yourself and start diving into that content and, and requesting your customizables, uh, you'll thank your, you'll thank the holiday version of you later uh, <laughs> when you've taken a little bit of that stress off your plate. Um, so make sure you're diving into that. And if you have any questions about the marketing plan, we're always glad to walk you through it. Absolutely. And um, if I might give another little plug here. Absolutely. We are, we're trying to figure out, we're doing um, how to best measure what uh, what pieces of the marketing plan are working well what uh, what ones are our members favorites or what ones are maybe yeah you could do without so if you have thoughts on that please uh please contact me please contact Linnell. we would love to hear your thoughts on the marketing plan uh we'll do it in a more formalized way but i just wanted to throw that invite out there that if you have ideas or questions about the marketing plan we'd love to hear it absolutely thank you so much for that um, and thank you everybody for participating today. I know there was a couple of questions that pop up, the biggest one being bootcamp, and that's gonna be part of my announcements here as we close out. Um, but keep an eye out in your email tomorrow for the information on the fourth quarter marketing plan. So that'll mm -hmm. be coming out then. Um, also uh, September, we've talked about this a little bit, September eight and nine, we, Lord willing, Lord willing, the COVID close that settles down and we don't revert back based on the last mm -hmm. couple of days. You know, we've seen a little uptick here. Um, but we plan on being in person at Grand, in Grand Rapids mm -hmm. at Calvin University for our annual conference. Um, September 8th, boot camp, right. uh, running from 10 to 3 um, during the day. It will be live and in person, but also live stream. So if you're unable to travel um, or still nervous about traveling, whatever, would still like to participate in boot camp remotely, we will make that available to you. And September 9, we have our proven strategy session. We'll be diving through, I think, eight or nine topics over the course of the day. And we've got Russell James speaking on the donor hero story, which is going to be awesome um, over the course of the day. And again, that will also be live streamed. Um, but if you can make it in person, we'd love to see you there. Mm -hmm. and if you do happen to come out in person, celebrate with us on September 8th at night. We plan on having a banquet, kind of celebrating our 45 years. Hopefully celebrating COVID's kind of behind us. So yep. plan to be behind us. And we'll have Brandon Heath is going to come out and play some music for us that night um, and participate in that. Mm -hmm. um, and then lastly, I'll mention that August 11th, I believe, is the date of our next live session. Um, we are doing a session with Nathan Osborne that is a donor invite session on seven reasons why you should review your will. So 
look for that material about inviting uh, and, and considering letting your donors join that session. Mm -hmm. We'd love to have them and talk about the different times and life events that cause one to have to do a review of their will. So uh, we'll be looking forward to that as well. As always, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Um, thanks for joining us today. It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to serve you in the kingdom work that we're all doing. And just you all have a blessed day. Thanks, Heather, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This has been a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn more about the variety of resources, tools, and training available to you by logging into the Member Center at www.barnabasfoundation.com.